think the only property we own in Singapore was our PPR, which we then mm-hmm. rented out when we shifted to Melbourne. So that was the very first, I would say, um, experience with property. And the reason for that is the property in Singapore is very expensive. So we were trying to buy a property in Singapore and we were looking at commercial properties, so shop house and things like that. Uh, but we never actually bought any because of the, I would say, the um, the capital required. You're listening to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard. Here's your host, Vicky Hines. Hello and welcome to Property Investor Tales, tales from the front yard, where we get to speak with people across Australia about their property investing journey. My name is Vicky Hines and I'm one of the coaches of Positive Real Estate, where I help people build wealth through property. I'm lucky enough to coach some amazing people with inspirational stories to tell. And today I have the privilege of chatting with Hazelman Shokat, who together with his amazing wife, Pfizer, I've been lucky enough to work with for now two and a half years. When they joined, they were relatively fresh migrants from Singapore and they were looking to invest right away. But they had one big challenge, not knowing where to invest and in their words, how it all worked. (laughs) Having been told initially that they were unable to invest, they have since gone on to acquire some awesome property. Enjoy this conversation between myself and Hazelman. So welcome to the podcast. Today I have Hazelman with me, who is the husband of the lovely Pfizer, who isn't able to be with us today. But Hazelman has agreed to come along and share some of the learnings that he's acquired on his uh, journey with property so far. How are you, Hazelman? I'm doing great. How are you, Vicky? I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for joining us today. We're very privileged. (laughs) No worries. My pleasure. <laughs> awesome. So today's a pretty special day. Uh, yesterday, what happened? Oh, yesterday we managed to close or at least settle our very first property, which is Beef and Lob. Very exciting. It's been a long time coming, but the day finally arrived and everything went smoothly, did it? Oh, yes. Everything went like clockwork, actually. Fantastic. That's what we like to hear. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, what do you do for work, yourself and Pfizer? What's your background? My background is actually in teaching. So I've been teaching for close to, I would say, 10 years in Singapore before we decided to migrate here. Uh, Pfizer was working for the ministry as well. She's not in education. She was working for um, uh, Ministry of Youth. Uh, sports development, which is a bit more of a social enterprise role that she was doing in Singapore. Now she's actually working for the government. I'm still teaching. I'm in a public school, um, a, a college, a secondary school, and yeah. Faiza is working for the department. And she's very busy. That's why she's not here with us today. Exactly. So she's a little shy and a <laughs> lot busy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know that that job keeps her extremely busy. So yeah, yeah. hats off to her. So tell us a little bit about what brought you to Australia. I think the decision was uh, purely around our two kids, my elder one uh, especially. Uh, He was academically inclined, which means he was doing very well in school. But for some reason, he was causing a lot of unnecessary stress. So he was putting a lot of stress on himself. And he was, um, uh, he started 
displaying some very weird stress-related symptoms, right? Uh, and, and we had to bring him to the hospital a few times and he was hospitalized a few times. So we decided that uh, maybe the um, education system in Singapore was a bit too stressed for him. He was putting too much pressure on himself. So we decided that we were going to find somewhere where it was, um, I guess, there's better work-life balance and also a little bit less stressful in terms of the education system. So that's why we decided to come over to Melbourne. Wow. Yeah, I have heard that about the Singapore education system. It can be quite intense for young people. Um, and, and have you, has it been a good decision from that point of view coming to Australia? Yeah, uh, what was surprising was, I think er, like the moment he started school here, everything disappeared. The symptoms disappeared. So, wow. he, so there is absolutely, we don't see any of those things that we were seeing back in Singapore. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. That's, um, yeah, really great news. So when you arrived here, how long ago was that? How long have you been in Australia now? That was in 2020, Jan 2020. Early 2020. Yes, 14th Jan. And you arrived in Melbourne? In Melbourne. on the four, I think we arrived on the 14th and then I started work on the 16th. Wow. Not only that, something else happened only a month or two after that, didn't it? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Then, then we had um, COVID and then suddenly we all went into lockdown. All went into lockdown. Yeah, Melbourne was pretty pretty hard hit. I remember talking to you regularly on Zoom at that time, which was quite alien yeah. to us at the time. Now we've all got used to it, of course. Um, but yes, uh, the world pretty much changed. So your first introduction to Melbourne was lockdown Melbourne. And I remember exactly. talking to you when we came out of lockdown about, you know, getting to know Melbourne because you really hadn't had that time, had you? Exactly. So we actually, we... Um... In fact, you're absolutely right. Actually, it, it, <laughs> even in, let's see, all the way up to 2021, we have not even seen much of Melbourne. Right. Making up for it this year, I hope. We made up for it, I think, even last year during summer break, we already started making up for it. But we're going to do a lot more travelling within Victoria, I would say, this year. Good. Good to hear. Yeah, there's plenty to say. Um, yeah. You've got lots of uh, ground to make up in that space to make sure you do. <laughs> so um, tell me a little bit about your um, previous property journey. So did you own property in Singapore? I think the only property we own in Singapore was our PPR, which we then mm -hmm. rented out when we shifted to Melbourne. So that was the very first, I would say, um experience with property and the reason for that is the property in Singapore is very expensive so we were trying to buy a property in Singapore and we were looking at commercial property so shop house and things like that right. uh, but we never actually bought any because of the I would say the um, the capital required I say so quite a bit more than than here or just commercial yep. property full stop um, I would say that even residential property, if you want to get, let's say, an apartment in Singapore in a decent mm. location, it's about a million. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. And people say property is expensive in Australia, hey? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> So you had your property over there. And when you decided to come to Australia, you rented it out over there. Yes. Yes, you, are. you arrived January 2020, you had limited experience in the property space. 
what was your plan when you arrived? Was it to focus on buying a family home or did you want to invest? I think we have always wanted to invest. And I guess that first experience with that property in Singapore, when we, because we rented it out pretty quickly, uh, because our apartment was in a very good location. So it went really quickly. And with the rent that we actually were getting, we were like, oh, wow, that's nice. Right, that you actually we are, we are able to kind of finance everything that we had in Singapore from that rent alone, including covering the mortgage. So we thought, wow, that's that's very interesting. So we hope to kind of replicate that here, and we wanted to do something similar. So it was never really a search for a PPR because we already had a PPR and we stayed in it for for quite some time in Singapore. So we never wanted a PPR to be honest. So we were happy with a rental, with just renting out. And then kind of shifting until we find a location that we like, uh, especially um, with the kids still, you know, going to school and they're going to change school when they go to secondary school. So we, we were not looking for PPR. We were actually were looking for investment property. Yeah, you've always been very location driven around schools, haven't you? You've always thought yes. that would be the determining factor about where you live. So you're currently yes. renting in Melbourne and you're very happy doing that. Is that correct? Yes. That yeah. is absolutely right. So we're really, I think we are very happy with renting out because we don't need to sink any capital into mm -hmm. trying to get a PPR. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so we like, we like, we like the fact that we're renting. Yeah, I hear quite, I hear that quite often from other people, and I also hear they actually like the idea of being quite free. So if yep. you know, if, if perhaps if one of your children got an offer on a school that was you know, miles away, then you would actually be a, quite easily able to pick up and, and set up somewhere else. And you might never happen, but it's it's a it's a feeling that you are quite free and transient that some people really like. I, I understand yeah. that myself. <laughs> so have you always definitely. been? Yes, definitely. Have you always been on the same page with investing? You and Pfizer? Uh, yes, yes. So I think uh, Pfizer's uh, dad, does property investing, uh, investing actually. So, so she came from she came from a family where she could see that on a daily basis that her dad actually, but her dad um deals with more commercial property, which is why we were looking at commercial property back then. Yeah. yeah. So, so the dad was dealing with things like um shops, uh, and and those kind of property. So, but for me, my parents do not; they're not investors. So I came from, I guess, a personal. Uh, fascination with the stock market. So I came from 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 that type of investing where I was investing in stocks actually. So both of us knew that we've always wanted to be investing. It's just that when we were in Singapore and property was a little bit prohibitive uh, because of the prices, then we were doing a lot of stock investing. So US shares and Singapore shares and even Australian shares actually. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so you both liked investing, but the actual asset class was varied at the time. Yep. When you came to Australia, could you see that there was a big opportunity for residential investing? Is that something that was quite obvious? We thought so, but what was surprising was before we met up with you, with yourself, with PRE actually, we actually met up with a, I would think, I, 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 I think the guy is a broker, uh, but the advice we were getting was that it sounded as prohibitive as it was in Singapore. Like, you know, you can't get any location that is close to the city. 
you have to go and go really far. And then if you want something that's close to say the university and things like that, then you need a lot of capital. So those were kind of advice that we were getting actually. And so we were like a bit dismayed over that. And then we were like, hmm. Uh, it, it sounded the same. That we were then then lucky for us, then we kind of uh I don't know how Faiza came across PRE actually, but I think she was the one who actually came across PRE. I, I do recall yeah. talking to her initially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I couldn't answer that. I don't know how she found us, but I'm glad that she did. Yeah. Um yeah, because it's been it's been a real journey over the last two and a half years, and I've absolutely loved coaching you. You're just your attitude to everything has always been wanting to learn, wanting to get on, um, just just taking on the chin anything that comes your way, which I'm I'm gonna talk to you about a little bit in a moment, what that what that um, looked like along the way. Um so I, I was going to ask what prompted you to join PRE, but that's probably more of a question for Pfizer. But yep. you must have been on the lookout for some sort of assistance. I I, I think I recall early on her mentioning because she wasn't local and she didn't even know, you know, any suburbs as such, she felt quite alien. She didn't know how the system worked um, and she wanted help really in that space but to be guided. Is that something you felt as well? Yes, definitely. Because I guess uh, in 2020, we were really new. So we didn't mm. know anything. We had no idea about the suburbs. What we went by were uh, what? our, I guess, family friends were saying, right? There are certain places where you don't want to stay because it's a little bit dangerous and, and things like that. Um, so we were just going with whatever people were telling us, but we felt that some of the information were biased and these were dated. So we needed someone who actually knew what they were doing and we needed somebody who actually had the, I would say, um, not just from, say, the location side, but how the whole thing actually works. Because like I said, when we had that, that conversation with the previous broker, it wasn't, it was like, you, this can't be done. But we we didn't believe um, that individual that we felt that we could make this happen. Uh, but we just needed to know how. How do you go about doing it? Yeah. Yeah. And since then, you've been fantastic students because you've really listened and you've really run with with what you've you've learned. And you've you've got some pretty good results. Um, that yeah we're covering in a moment so has it been what you expected did you have expectations around how your property journey might work in Australia or you know you, you had no expectations so nothing's really a surprise I think we our um, expectation wasn't this high actually to be honest so we yeah. were hoping to be able to grab maybe one right within let's, let's say back then was 2020 so I would say that we did maybe the first two to three years just get one and then slowly add later uh, as we try to kind of navigate and understand it a little bit better. But what has happened now is we've got one that settled yesterday and we've got two. So within a very short period of time, we actually managed to get three. And <laughs> and to us, that was um, unheard of, right? We Because like I said, based on the initial advice that we were getting, something like that would not have been possible. Yeah, yeah, no, phenomenal. Um. I know when you've been interested in a property, um, you've really put in some hard yards to, to do your due diligence and your research, and you've not taken anything lightly. You really have um, yeah, made sure that it was the right decision. I know that we've spent 
number of strategy sessions mapping out how one property will lead onto the other because it's so important when you've got a number of properties that are relatively off the plan you don't have a finance clause it's so so important that you do make sure there's enough space between them that we've got some good cash buffers in place um and I, what's interesting about you guys is that you really did continue your journey um despite what was happening out there in the in the crazy world over the last two and a half years I mean you know no one could have predicted COVID um, and now no one really predicted the speed of what interest rates are rising but we're all managing to keep our head above water we keep making sure that we're educated and I know you guys are regular attendees to our mentoring sessions for our clients where we educate um, you know ourselves and making sure that we tap into some good quality facts and data rather than listening to the media um tell me about that so I know that Pfizer is a public servant as such does she yep. listen to the news or half an ear or does she completely block it out and yourself of course what what is most surprising is we don't have a television at home Wow. <laughs> which most people will find to be but because we were renting things out so we didn't feel the need to for us to actually buy a television which means that we don't actually listen to any of the news so yeah. we we are not bothered by that and i learned that very early as well when we are doing when i was doing um shares investing that you don't listen to the news because it's just it's, it's just noise right so you so i have learned that very early that you when you invest, you have to understand what you're investing in. You have to do your due diligence. You have to understand what you are expecting out of this investment. And then that's it. You don't actually need to hear the short-term noise, right? So, so for us, we never, we never switch. There's no, there's no television, so there's nothing to switch on. Um, and, and so <laughs> we're never bothered by the news. Yeah. How do the kids survive? They don't mind not having a TV? No, because what we have is a we have a, a computer in the living room. So from time to time, let's say on a weekend, we'll actually will watch something as a family. So that yeah. that that's yeah. entertainment. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? I, I it all makes sense to me that you don't have a TV that you switch on because you know, I meet many, many people and it's quite apparent when somebody does listen to the news a fair bit, it, it really does affect your mindset. So um, I'm actually not surprised at all by that because I know that you've always been very much head down, bum up. We are going for this particular goal and we don't care what is going on out there. We'll get there. And yeah, hats off to you for that. Um, so I know of being an investor myself that who I um, talk to about investing is relatively limited in my sphere outside of positive real estate, outside of my client sphere. Um, how about you? How have you found sharing what you're doing with friends and family, or if you have it all? I think the first rule is you don't share. <laughs> because, yeah, and, and I learned this, again, uh, very early in, in my investing journey. Because the moment you share, everyone has an opinion. Mm. Everybody's an expert, right? Especially when it comes to shares. I remember when I was starting out, um, even with my own dad, if I shared, something of my own dad, he would tell me all sorts of horror stories and things like that as well, because that is his, I would say that when he was growing up, that was what he saw, right? That that when you see the news, you see news of, let's say, the share market collapsing and things like that. And I think it didn't help as well, the Asian financial crisis that happened as well and things like that. Right? So, 
so that was his impression. So we learned that when we are investing, we just keep quiet. It's just so the the only people we talk to is ourselves. So it's between me and Faiza actually. So the journey has been very much um a it's not that we're trying to keep it a secret, it's just that we felt that there is absolutely no need to be talking to anybody about it. So mm. we have been very quiet. I don't to be honest, I even my parents don't know. And her parents have no idea as well. So it's that quiet. We don't we don't say it to anybody. I I I've mentioned it once to a friend here, uh, but that's only because the friend asked. Right. Then I just mentioned, and then after that I stopped there because then, so so you it's like if you want to know I'll tell you more. But if you're not going to ask me anything further, I'm not going to say anything. And did that person continue the conversation or not? So the person was intrigued, but has has I've. I mean, again, we know this, right? Just because you're intrigued doesn't mean that you will be willing to kind of um, get on board. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so he was like, oh, I, I just bought a PPR. So I say, okay, cool. If you got a PPR, then maybe you need, you know, an offset account with that PPR so that you can kind of, you know. So that, so then then that conversation stopped there. I say, I say, if you want, I can introduce you to PRE as well. There's a coach that can help you out. So then... Never reached out, so full stop. So that's it. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I kind of be on the same page as you as as that. I believe I I was a client for many many years before I was a coach, and I'm exactly the same as you. My mother knows relatively little about what <laughs> what we've done over the years, because my motto has always been: if somebody can't add value to my knowledge. Yes. Why would I? Why would I share it? They're not coming at it from the same angle, and I know many exactly. of my clients have exactly the same uh, mindset after being in this in this environment for a while. Um, you know, if we're not going to get any value, then the only thing possibly someone may add to a conversation may be negative, and that's yes. not something that we 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 wish to engage in as investors. And and I guess just to add to that as well. Mm. That we are a little bit weird in a sense that we don't <laughs> do the things that other people do. Like, mm. uh, we 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 kind of manage our finance in a way that most people would would feel is it's it's a bit um I guess the word would be an extreme, right? So we are very careful with the holidays that we go for. We're very careful with you know the kind of expenses that we have, um, and and this is not something that even when we were back in Singapore, we it, like when we um mention just a little bit to 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 you know to someone else then they will be like oh really why would why don't you want to you know go for a holiday somewhere you know and fly here and there and we were thinking that that money that we're going to use for the holiday would be better spent investing in something so 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 that again gave us the experience that not everybody actually understand what we're trying to do yeah yeah that's um quite unique an attitude and and it's obviously why you are so far ahead, really, considering the amount of time you've been in the program, the amount of time you've been in Australia, you've got, would you, would you like to share what you have coming up? Yeah, so we, yeah, so we've got Beef and Love that was closed yesterday and settled mm -hmm. yesterday. We've got um, from Aria, Riviere, that's coming up next year. And then the following year, we'll have Spotswood, which is a, uh, again, uh, in Melbourne. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And look, so far you're one settlement down, but your three purchases in. You've obviously spoken to you know many professionals. You've spoken with brokers. Obviously, you've engaged with me. You've engaged with your property consultant, no doubt solicitors. 
Do you have any lessons that you've learned that have kind of surprised you so far on your journey that anything you could share? I think the biggest lesson, but it's not surprising though, because I think it was a lesson that, again, I learned when I first moved here. Uh, when I moved here in, in, let's say I was saying that on, on 14 Jan, I landed on 16 Jan, I started working. I don't know anything, right? Which means that mm. I have trouble trying to drive to work uh, because I have no idea, <laughs> right? <laughs> How to even navigate. So, so, so you start off from a position that is of, I would say, um, extreme discomfort, right? So it's like chaos, right? You have no sense of, um, we have not established the routine, we have not established anything, right? So it's, you are really thrown into the deep end. And I found that the biggest thing that I had that allowed me to, to kind of, I would say, cope with that real moment of uncertainty is the ability to be as humble as I need to be. So humility, right? You keep your head down, and you learn, you learn as much as you can learn and as fast as you can learn, right? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think the internet may have just paused. Just wait for you to come back. Testing. Yes, I'm not okay, sure cool. if it was you or me. Um, hopefully uh, that will get edited out. Yes, no worries. So what, what I I guess I was saying about humility, right? So that was yes, the that was, that was a very big yeah. So that was a very big lesson. Just keep your head down, and then learn. And even like I say, even the process of settlement that we had with Beef and Lock, if you go in there knowing that you don't know anything. And then you're trying to learn as much as you can, whether it's from the solicitor or whether from yourself or whether from it's from the you know property manager. Then it helps actually. Then you learn it. You learn really fast and really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So you mean you're coming into something, presuming you know nothing, being an absolute sponge with regards to information that you're being fed, and exactly. then you can assimilate that information and put it together. I know you guys. Every time I meet with you. I feel like you have got open ears to whatever we talk about. You do not have um, any preconceived ideas. So I, I totally see what you're talking about here, Hazelman, because I think you you really do run with that idea of being humble. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so with your um with you when you arrived in Australia and we originally went through the whole um, usual introduction to PRE and one of the things that we always do is go and run your numbers with a specialized investment broker to find out what kind of ingredients we have to play with in order to help set your strategy and really get you rolling and um, would you mind sharing what the results of that initial discussion were when we met with right. <laughs> so that, that was a that was a very interesting time because that, that was when we realized we made our first mistake um, and, and again, it came out of um, ignorance because uh, in the job that I had in that private school, so I was in a private school in 2020 before I shifted to a public school in 2021. But in that private school, there was an option for you to kind of um, do a, it's, 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 it's a leasing of a car, 
right? So then that, that allows mm-hmm. you to kind of, and I thought it was a great idea because what happens is the leasing is done before tax. So it's, it, in a way, it actually reduce your, your tax that you're going to be paying. So I thought, oh, that's a brilliant idea, right? And no, I took note one. Exactly. So it's just novated lease. Right, so you find that what you do is, and, and not only did I do one car, I did two cars, right? Because I thought, oh, it's a brilliant idea. I've just reduced my tax and then, you know, uh, yep. second car will be for my wife, for Faiza. And then, 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 and then we realized that the broker, or at least the, the, the individual we spoke to, hated that idea and the banks hated it. The banks hated the idea of having two leases on paper. Yep. So that was the first mistake that we, we, we realized we made. Yeah, and I, I recall um, relaying that information to you alongside the broker at the time. And it was, was quite the shock. Being, I mean, you were brand new to the country. How were you ever supposed to know that a novated lease would have such a huge, huge impact on your yep. borrowing capacity? I mean, you know, there was, you look great from every other aspect. You were earning good money. You had no debt. You had great handle on, on your expenditure on a day-to-day basis. Everything banks would love. The only thing was the novated lease, which we now know. They, they assessment calculators double up pretty much on what your um, expenses are on a monthly basis. So they look at everything that you're paying for over in the novated lease and then they kind of add it on over here with your monthly expenditure and include the whole shebang again, petrol, tyres, etc. So it was a bit of a slap in the face yes. <laughs> originally. How did you originally react to that? I guess there was only one way to go, right? Which is how do we solve this particular problem that we are in? And, and the problem kind of solved itself in a way. What was interesting was... Uh, very shortly after after that, if you believe it or not, I don't know whether you know this, but actually I smashed the first car um, on the way to school. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was it was uh, very um, I would say I would it was very exciting actually, but very scary. Yes. But it, I mean it was it was it wasn't my fault. It was a youth that was coming really fast. And my first instinct was, like, you know, usually, um, which would not be the first instinct of anybody in, a, in such a situation, but my first instinct was, maybe I can write this car off. <laughs> and that was solve my <laughs> the way that instinct problem. That was your first instinct. <laughs> yeah, so that was my first instinct. Like, I was, like okay, when I, uh, after, after the whole thing, and then, you know, after you, you call the tow truck and then everything, and then everything is settled. And then after that, I came home. And then I was like, yeah. Maybe maybe we can write this off, and that was settled for 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 one car. But it didn't. It didn't actually. You so were the, okay. the damage. Yes, I was okay. Good. Yeah. Yes, yes, I was okay. I was okay. It was it was like one of those uh, movie moments because the guy kind of smashed into the front of my the front of my car, which is the front right of the car. So the the door on on my right actually was kind of bent in. So I had to kind of you know you got to push that door open for you to oh. get out. Yeah, so it was a very interesting. Uh, yes, but 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 like I say, I, I I just took it in 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 good light. Like okay, cool, maybe I can write this off, but uh, but I couldn't. Uh, the damage was uh wasn't that the airbag deployed it actually. Bad. Yeah, but it wasn't that bad. So so we were like, okay, cool. Then we need a second uh another way to solve this. And like I say, it it kind of solved itself in a way because when I left that private school, and 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 then entered the the, the public school the novated lease actually ended and then it got converted to a normal car loan. 
Right. Okay. And then suddenly, yeah, and then suddenly it became a lot more favorable because then the amount that I'm paying every month actually goes down because there's no the rest of the things are not added to that to that lease. Mm-hmm. And then and and so now I'm actually I still have two car loan, but that doesn't seem to have stopped me for at least I believe the first two property. By the third one, I'm gonna have to do something about this. But now it's very easy; I can just pay it off because it started in 2020. So by the time it gets to Sportswood, there'll be the, the residue on the on the uh, loan will be very 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 little actually, and it can be easily. Yeah. That's right. That's always been part of the strategy, isn't it? To pay yep. off that that car loan by the time that one settles. Yep. Um, so with with regards to your settlement, I know that in order to have done what you have achieved, which is buy three properties in a relatively short space of time, we had to be quite regimented with how we were going to get there. And yep. with you guys, because you are, you are, naturally regimented and very much focused on what you want to achieve and and actually reaching your goals. I was pretty confident that whatever we set as a strategy, you would execute. I know that we catch up every six months or so to find, you know, check it in. How's your saving going? Um, Are we on track, et cetera? And it's, it's always a resounding yes. Would you mind sharing how things have changed for you financially since we originally looked at your finances? So one, we brought, we had two no debated leases. One got, did they both get converted to normal car loans? Yes, so yes, both of them are converted. Right, so now we have two car loans and we have a plan to pay one off. Um, how about Pfizer? So when you first came, was she working? No, so I think when she first spoke to you, uh, it was only me who was working. She was still looking for a job. But then what happened was at the end of 2020, I believe, yep, that was still at the old property. At the end of 2020, she managed to get a job. Mm-hmm. And what she has been doing for the last few years has been brilliant as well. Uh, because um, she got a job in 2020. And then she has been promoted, right? So multiple times. So she has been promoted. Uh, so, so her salary is a lot more than when she started in 2020. So same thing for me. I, I went from the private school to a public school. So I took a bit of a pay cut initially. Mm-hmm. But now the salary has more than match because I've got, I was promoted along the way as well. So what we have mm-hmm. done was we have improved our income position. We have converted that Novotet lease to a normal car loan. And we have got a second income. And what we did, which again is unheard of, which to, to a lot of people is a bit of a horror show, which is we are running on a single income. Right, so which means that we are, any expenses that comes out is coming out of my income. So Faiza's income is hundred percent. It goes into saving up for that tree property. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. One of the reasons I've asked you to come and join me today is because that you are you're doing something which is quite phenomenal. Living on one wage is not something, particularly in you know today's, you know, cost of living crisis that we're living in. Um, you're you're managing very well. Is it is it getting harder to live on one wage? It was getting a bit tough until I got promoted. So now it's okay. Right. Good. <laughs> so the solution to that was to get promoted. Work hard. Get promoted. And I think, as I've said, your attitude goes a long way and that clearly both of you have been promoted a few times in a very short space of time. And I'm sure your attitude to everything 
um, must actually come into play as to why you've you've actually achieved such great results in your working life as well. So absolute hats off to you. You are absolute guns, obviously, in every walk of life. And it's such a pleasure coaching you. Um, it, it truly is. Um, so what's what's happening? What's the plan beyond the settlements? Do you have one yet? I guess the plan is, so So now that we know that we can kind of very quickly um, settle three, so the plan is what are we going to be doing for the fourth and the fifth one? Uh, because I think the original plan was to have at least five, right? mm -hmm. five or six. And we know that the hurdle will come after the first three because then that will be us really maxing out based on our uh, incomes, right? So, so then that is where the challenge will be the fourth and the fifth one. I mean, the worst case scenario for us is we'll just keep um, saving as fast and as hard as we possibly can. And so we don't need the fourth and the fifth one to be at anything, let's say, close to 80%, right? It can be something like that. We, the loan may even be like 50, 60%, and that will kind of allow us to possibly get through the fourth one. Uh, and we hope as well that by then, either the REL or even the beef and law would have gone up in value. And then we can kind of use some of the equity from that as well, you know, for us to be able to finance the, uh, the fourth and the fifth one. But that's the plan. The plan is to get at least another two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, within, I would say, um, so knowing that Sportswood is closing in 2024, we will say that maybe um, realistically about three years after that to be able to get the, the fourth one and then, then yep. after that, the fifth one. Awesome. And hopefully some tax deductions in the near future yep. because along, <laughs> along comes with, uh, you know, higher incomes, along comes some higher tax to pay. Um, so you've chosen properties where you're going to be able to get some serious tax deductions back. So um, I'm looking forward to you being able to do that. No doubt in true Pfizer and Hazelman style, you will put that into a savings account and focus on the next property. But uh, make sure you, you enjoy, enjoy it a little bit along the way as well. Very, very important. <laughs> so... I know that you're very regular attendees to a lot of our private client mentoring sessions where we cover an abundance of educational topics. How important have they been to your learning over the last two and a half years? I think they've been uh, instrumental, actually. They're very important because we did, like the strategy they shared wasn't something that we knew. It wasn't something that we actually uh, understood because... I would say that the strategy that we're familiar with was very much a strategy of you, you buy the first property and then you do everything that you can to pay it down and then you get the second one, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the, the, the very traditional approach of doing it. So, so that was, so, so we don't, we didn't quite understand, like I, I know I've, I've read like Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I can kind of understand that, oh, okay, there's a, there's a thing called, you know, bad dad and good dad. But we, we never quite understand how to utilize that. And in the stock market, you don't want that. Right? So we never leverage. We don't leverage. The, at least the safest way to go about it is not to leverage at all. But when you're doing property, then you need to leverage. 
Mm-hmm. And and we don't and we don't quite understand that. So by going for all those sessions, right, listening to Sam, even listening to Jason as he tries to, you know, kind of explain that okay, this is the long term plan. This is actually what's supposed to be happening, right? This is kind of the numbers that you kind of, you know. And then even like I think recently, um, the 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 range of gas actually, right? Like even from tax, right? Understanding a little bit more about tax, understanding a little bit more about your super. Right, understanding a little bit more about all the other things that come with, with trying to build a portfolio of property. I think it's been extremely helpful because these are things that we actually we don't know. No, you don't understand. know what, what you don't know. Exactly. And I think as you go through your journey, um, different topics which may not have resonated quite as much at that time or become topics that you are naturally interested in, like, you know, um, Part of our whole six-star team, we include people like financial planners who actually understand property that can really help you as you get towards the sharp end of your portfolio journey and, and looking towards living off the income from property. It's so, so important that you engage a professional who is on the same page as you. Um, you know, a lot of financial planners are awesome but very much specialised in that financial world and not so much in property. So um, I, I would imagine you'll look back at the whole catalogue of content that we have and pick out topics that you perhaps glossed over or didn't pay as much attention to. Um, so I, I, I know that you will absolutely um, do that when the time comes. Um, so a little question just really to wrap up and it's really a bit of fun and you can answer it in any way you wish to, Hazelman. <laughs> so if you could give your younger self some advice, knowing what you know today, what would that advice be? And that's a very interesting question. Uh, I guess the the seeds of um, what I turned out to be um, started quite some time back. It's just that when I was at that age, I didn't quite know what I was doing, right? So like uh, the ability to save, um, like I was really intense when it comes to ensuring that I was spending as little as possible. Uh, that, that started very young. But I guess the idea that I would like to tell my young self is that it's very interesting and it's, very, it's, it's a very old idea, right? But it's, a, it's an idea that um, that people kind of have forgotten along the way, which is this, that you have to be willing to sacrifice your today if you want a better tomorrow, right? So that was what, that is, that was what I was doing, but I didn't quite understand it. That all these things that you're putting aside, like, right, uh, yes, like, you know, like even some of the, like, if you want to go for a holiday, you can. You just don't have to fly somewhere where it's expensive, right? There, there are ways to go around having a holiday where without you, you know, Bursting the bank and saying that everything that I've earned in that particular year I want to spend. So you have to learn how to sacrifice a little bit today so that your future self can kind of thank you. So that so that would be to me one of the biggest realization as to what I was doing. So the action was very clear as I was doing it, but I didn't quite understand why it would work. But now I understand what I'm doing, right? I'm just sacrificing now. And I guess the other thing that if you want to take it to its extreme, right? If you look at some of those really, really, um, I would say people who have left behind legacy, like mm-hmm. um, there are some individuals, say like even back in Singapore, that have left money for institution or they have built a hospital, you know, and then, then you know, that's how they built the legacy. And and, and I remember that um, I had a friend, uh, I won't mention his name because I don't know whether he wants to be mentioned, uh, but this was a Singaporean friend and his grandfather, 
had a very menial job, right? So he was like a uh, he was he was he was doing something that people would, you know, you don't get much income from it. Mm-hmm. But the guy had a vision, so he bought a whole entire row of property, with whatever little that he had. And he knew full well that he could not pay off those property within his lifetime. So when so he told his sons that you're gonna to have to take over. But because he bought it at his time, by the time it got to the son's time, those property were very easy to be paid off. So can you imagine the guy had a vision knowing that it goes beyond his lifetime? So I'm so I've not reached that extreme yet, but I would like to think that. If you can think like that, right? It's not just about you. It's about the legacy that you're trying to build, right? The legacy you're trying to leave behind or the portfolio that you're trying to build. And you have a much longer-term view. So this is what I'll tell my younger self, right? It's okay to have a longer-term view, right? It's okay to put all these things in place early in order for you to be able to then... Uh, you may not even reap the fruit of it and it's fine. It's just you're building that legacy for, for, for the next generation or the next two generations. Yeah, wise words, Hazelman, absolutely. Um, And just to add to that, you know, not focusing on the debt, focusing on the end result, because, you know, focusing on the debt can be quite debilitating. And it can literally stop you in your tracks. You start procrastinating, wondering if you're doing the right thing. Focusing on the absolute end outcome is something I think many, many investors will take on board. Um, just like that fellow that you told the story about. Very, very powerful. So thank you very much for sharing all of that with us today. Um, Some great lessons learned, some great stories shared. And as you know, I think you and Pfizer are absolutely fantastic. You are an absolute joy to coach. I know that, you know, you're going to complete your portfolio in, in the next few years and you're going to work very very hard at the other end of the strategy which is what we call consolidation stage which is when we work on getting that debt down and um, getting your rents up you know, I know that you'll run with whatever kind of strategy and um, uh, creative ideas that we have along the way in order to get to you to the end goalpost as soon as possible so thank you so much for coming on today i've really enjoyed our conversation and um, have a wonderful day did you want to add something there no i just want to add something that we we really need to thank you as well vicky because like i said the advice that you give us and the guidance that you give us made all this possible right because it could have been easily like we could have met uh, another broker will tell us that no this is not possible you can't do this with this kind of money right you need a lot more but i think when we first had our conversation with you we were very surprised and very heartened by the fact that this was possible right this was something that wasn't that far-fetched so we wanted to thank you from the bottom of our hearts as well vicky you're very very welcome absolute pleasure Hey, thanks for listening to Property Investor Tales. Remember to subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode drops. As you can guess, I love hearing people's Property Investor Tales. So if you'd like to share yours, then please get in touch with me via email at propertyinvestortales at positivementor.com.au. We would also love your feedback and I would appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember, you can watch all of these podcasts over on YouTube at Positive Mentor or at positivementor.com.au. Until then, take care, happy investing and bye for now.